Hey everyone. Feels like ages since I've been preaching. It's been a while, hasn't it? I was like, oh. But how blessed are we to have heard from Tom about our creative destiny in the Lord? Praise God. And then we heard from Wayne, powerful message about unity. And then last week we heard from Lyndall about um, being spiritual parents to the next generations coming after us. So we're so blessed to hear from some amazing people of God. Um, Praise God. All right, let me get in the right chapter, the right place. And we might pray. We will pray. Oh, Father, we just thank you for today. Thank you that we can gather as your people. Thank you, Lord, that when we worship you, it cracks open the heavens. When we were praying, I saw, um, when we were worshipping, sorry, when we were worshipping and we like hit that high praise point, like I literally saw a crack in the heavens and I saw gold just, just like falling like rain. We just thank you, Lord, that when we praise you as one body, man, your presence is released, your blessing is released. Your healing, your love, more and more of it, Father. And we just want to know you more, Lord. So today we just pray that you would speak to our hearts. We open our hearts to your word and to the truth of your word. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd speak to us today. In Jesus' name, all the saints said, Amen. All right, well, for... For the last little while, I feel like the word of the Lord to this church community has been about unity. And so I love the week that when Wayne preached, if I had have preached that week, it would have been on unity. Um, so I'm going to piggyback on the back of what he said and what he started, um, because the Lord, the Holy Spirit is speaking about unity to our church family. And so just to recap on some of the things that Wayne touched on, he said that there, he talked about the strategies that the enemy uses to come against unity in the church body. And he, he brought up four, and they were isolation and withdrawal, distraction, I loved your open-heartedness in sharing from your own life, Wayne, Unforgiveness, that's a biggie, and disappointment. So they're the four things that Wayne brought up that the enemy can use to divide and conquer because he knows that where there is unity, the Lord what? Commands a blessing, right? And so whenever there's believers that are gathered together in unity, there is the blessing of the Lord and the hand and the favour of the Lord to do what he wants them to do on the earth, right? To extend the kingdom. That's why unity is so important. That's why the enemy fights so hard against it, right? All right, so there's some of the the things that the enemy can do. 
So we're going to jump into John 17. This feels lopsided today. Is it funny? Sure, no worries. We're going to jump into John 17. I think, Wayne, you read some of this when you preached. Um, But let's go John 17 from verse 20. Do we have it up there? Praise the Lord. All right, it says... This is Jesus and he's praying for the church. he's praying for believers, right? And he started the first part of his prayer and he was praying for the disciples specifically his his disciples and then he changes gears and in verse 20 he starts praying for the generations of disciples that are going to come after the the first disciples, right? So verse 20, it says, I do not ask for these only, his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So that's us. He's praying for us right now. This is what he's praying. Verse 21, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So right there, Jesus is praying that we would be one in the Father and in the Son and in the Holy Spirit as he is in the Father and in the Holy Spirit. He's praying that we would be that one with the Lord. Why? So that the world would know so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And then verse 22, he says, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. Let that sink in for a minute. So Jesus is saying, The glory that you have given me, Father, I'm going to give it to them. Brain explosion, right? The glory that Jesus received, I can have. You can read that and be like, Jesus is praying that I can have the glory that he had, right? And what is the glory? We throw this word around, glory, 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 glory. What is it? What is it? What's the glory? God's manifest presence. His manifest presence, whenever you see the manifest presence, the manifest goodness of God, that's the glory of God being revealed, right? So if someone gets healed, glory of God. You feel God's tangible presence in the room, that's the glory of God. You have a vision or an encounter or something, that's the glory of God right there. Do you know what I mean? It's like tangible. You see it, you feel it, you, you sense it. So he's saying that the glory that you have given me, I have given to them. Why? That they may be one even as we are one. So now Jesus is saying that he's given us his tangible glory, his presence, his power. Why? So that we, as a family, as the family of God, can be one, can be perfectly unified as he is one in the Trinity. 
So as the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, as they commune together, as they're in each other, as they love each other with a perfect love, Jesus is praying that same thing for us on earth as a family, as a, as a church family, right? What an amazing invitation. And then he goes on, 23. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. Why? So that the world may know that you have sent me and love them even as you love me. Our unity shows the world that God's real. It's really important. It reminds me of the verse in John 13, 34. And Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you. Love one another as I have loved you. By this, the whole world will know that you're my disciples, right? So he's like, he's not saying, because you go to church every Sunday, the whole world's going to know that you're my disciples. Because you know the Bible and can quote it backwards, the whole world. No, it's like... Because, because of the love that you have one for another, the whole world will know that you're my disciples. <sighs> Praise God. Isn't that such an amazing scripture? I feel like we need to camp there. We need to read it in our own personal times and just ask the Lord to... To speak to us. Anyway, I'm going to put a peg in that, a pin in that, just pin that there. So today I want to, does it not make your heart, it makes my, it feels like there's a fire in my spirit right now because I've been reading that verse and thinking about it. Um, The word's alive and active and I feel like the excitement of the Holy Spirit when we talk about what it should look like as believers. Today I'm going to focus on... What am I going to focus on? Jesus, praise God. Today I'm going to share four keys for unity. These aren't the only keys. Okay, but we've got to, rather than talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, we need to make it look like something in our lives and in our heart attitudes, right? So four keys. Wayne shared four distraction, uh, four strategies from the enemy. I'm going to share four keys for unity. The first one, Sarah and Roger already said it. Focus on Jesus and reaching the lost. What you focus on, you become sensitive to. And if you spend your life, your church life, your believer life, focusing on all the things that are wrong with the church, with the world, with other people, guess what you're going to see? All the things that are wrong. (laughs) It's really important. I'm not saying that there's never anything wrong. No, I'm not saying that we stick our head in the sand and we're like, la, 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 and we ignore like bad things going on. But I am saying that what, what we focus on, we'll see and will increase, right? And so it's really important that as the church, our focus is on Jesus. Nothing else. 
Amen? Our focus needs to be Jesus. It sounds really simple, but sometimes our focus just drifts away to other things that aren't as important. Okay, the church will be unified when we all focus on Jesus. Amen? Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, we can't start at a therefore. <laughs> What's the therefore? Hebrews 11 talks about all the heroes of faith, some of the heroes of faith. It doesn't mention all of them. But people that believed God and did mighty things because they believed God and even people who believed God and didn't even see the promise come, come to pass, right? And then they launch into Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all those amazing people who've gone before us, who believe God, even when they didn't see it come to pass, let us also lay aside every weight and sin, sin which clings so closely and do what? Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto... Oh, you guys are asleep. Looking unto Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Where are we looking? At a structure, at a brand? No, at a person or a group of people? No. We need to be looking at Jesus. And if we're looking at Jesus, even if, Someone amazing in the Christian world does something silly. It's not going to rock our faith because we're anchored and looking at Jesus. We're not called to follow people. We're called to be led by people who are called by God, right? To be leaders and we're called to like, you know, learn and grow because he gives people, he gives he gives ministers of the gospel. I'm trying to find the words here. I'm out on a limb and it's not going very well. Man, he, he gives gifts to grow the body of Christ up into him, right? That's why he has teachers, pastors, evangelists, apostles. I forgot one. Prophets. Amen. That's why we gather so that these people can like release what God is, is like saying to his body, so we can all be on the same page, so we can keep following Jesus, okay? We're not called to follow people though, okay? Amen? Please do not follow me. By all means, imitate me as I imitate Christ. But if you come to me with a problem, I'm going to say to you, what is Jesus saying to you? And if you don't have an answer for that, I'm going to say, go and talk to Jesus and then come back and we'll talk about what Jesus has said. Right? Because we want Jesus-dependent disciples. We don't want Naomi-dependent disciples or Wayne-dependent disciples. Okay? Jesus is perfect. He never gets it wrong. People sometimes get it wrong. Sometimes people say, I've heard from God, and guess what? They haven't. Okay, because we're people and we, get, we, we just get it wrong sometimes. And I'm sorry about that. But Jesus never gets it wrong. Amen? So let's keep our focus there. 
I was going to do an illustration with a hoop. How are we going for time? Nah, I'm not going to do it. Sorry. Sorry, everyone was like, I want to see the hoop. I don't even know if it's going to work. Oh, come on. Who, I need some volunteers. I need four people. Put your hand up. Quick, quick, quick. Sam. Georgie. Steve. One more, one more. Mao. <laughs> Someone else. It's not scary. Isaiah, come on. Oh, yeah, Carla. Let's do five. All right. So you guys, see these fingers? You're going to hold out two fingers like this. Two fingers. You need work as a team. You're a team. You're a team. All right. Okay. Okay. I'm going to take it away for a minute because they're getting distracted. Okay. Two hands, two fingers, right? Now, you're not allowed to touch the hoop except with your two fingers facing up parallel to the ceiling, right? So you're not allowed to, like, curl your finger around. And what you want to do is get the hoop to lower from, like, this height, like, down to shin height. Right? Ready? So you got your fingers. We're going to put it up. All right? And now you're going to... Make it go down, guys. Make it go down. You guys are slow at this. You're doing great. We're getting there. <laughs> we got there eventually. Praise God. Yeah, you passed. You got there. Amen. Give them a hand. The funny thing with that is that the more you focus on what someone else is doing, the more the hoop goes up, right? So you need to like focus on you and what your hands are doing. I was, it was just like a focus thing. Focus on Jesus. Jesus is in the middle of the hoop. I'm making this up now. Jesus is in the middle of the hoop. Focus on Jesus. <laughs> Got it? Ah, the other thing, man, the other thing is, as a church, we need to focus on reaching the lost. Can I get an amen? We're not called to just sit in a holy little huddle and have our kumbaya sessions while the rest of the world goes to hell. Right? Okay, so like we exist to reconcile a lost world to Jesus. We gather to be stirred up to love and good works so that then during the week we are powerful witnesses fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit to reconcile a lost and dying world to Jesus. 
And the funny thing is, when you're good this way, it's amazing. You can't help but be good this way with our family, but also with people that are hurting, people that are lost, people that don't know him. You become compelled by love. You do things because God's in you. Not because you have to, not because, oh my gosh, I haven't told someone about Jesus this week. It's like, oh my gosh, that girl is so sick and she needs my help and my compassion and I can't help. I can't just turn a blind eye because God lives in me and he loves that person, right? That's how it should be. I was been reading in Jeremiah this week, earlier this week, Jeremiah 29, and Jeremiah was saying, if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart as it were a burning fire shut up in my bones and I'm weary with holding it in and I cannot. And I resonate with that so much, far out. When I am hearing from the Lord every day, and when, he, when I'm reading the Word and the Holy Spirit's illuminating truth to me, it's like a fire in my heart. And if I don't get it out, man, it's like I'm going to explode. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Or am I just a weirdo? Right? So my exhortation to you is know Him. Know Him. Eyes on Jesus. Eyes on um, reaching the lost. And as you know him, I promise you'll be compelled to reach those that need him. It won't be a works thing. It'll be a, I can't help myself, right? Amen. That was a long point one, sorry. Point two, but I'm not sorry. (laughs) Point two, humility. Keys for unity, humility. This, This is like... Far out. If we would get this, we're going to go to Philippians 2. Philippians 2 verse 1. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy... This is Paul and he's writing to the Corinthians and he's saying, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Sounds like unity to me. He's like, complete my joy by being unified, basically, right? And then verse 3, how do we do this? What does it look like? Verse 3, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Boom. That's how we do it. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. I promise that if every person in this church counted every other person more significant than themselves, we would see a beautiful unified church and no one would be missing out. You wouldn't be missing out because someone else would be thinking about you and thinking that you're better than them. It actually tells us what it looks like, tells us how to do it. 
Man, when you do things, like when I go to do things, I will ask the Lord, Lord, check my heart. Is there any conceit in my heart? Is there any like weird warped thing going on in here that I don't know about? Please like reveal it to me. Right? It's just walking with the Father. These are the conversations that I have with him so that I know that my heart's pure. And then I ask him, like, who's on your heart? Who are you thinking about? When, when we're, like, in church, it's like, God, what can I do to serve these people? Because you love them. And I'm counting them better than myself. <sighs> Verse 4. Let each of you look only to his... Uh, no, don't do that. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. How do we do that? I love verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Man, when I'm having a hard time looking after the interests of someone else rather than my own, I remember Jesus who emptied himself who was God but made himself a baby who was reliant on a woman, on his mother, to keep him alive, right? That's what I think about. I think about Jesus being a servant leader, washing his disciples' feet. I think about him going to the cross, the perfect son of God who never sinned. I think about him like being mocked and whipped and tortured and made fun of and talked about. That's what I think about when I find it hard to serve my brothers and sisters in Christ. I think about what he went through for me and then I think, what right do I have? What right do I have to think about myself? Because he gave it all for me. Oh, I feel him. (laughs) I feel him. Gosh. It's not about me. I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me in this life that I live now. I live by faith in the Son of God. And when I can't, when, I do, when my soul rises up, when my flesh rises up, because that does happen sometimes, I fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my faith. And I remember him and I remember what he went through and I count it all joy to do the things I don't want to do to serve him and to serve his family and to serve the people that he shed his blood for. (sighs) Man, we need need humility. We need God-given humility in our hearts. God, make us humble. He opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Grace is the empowerment of God to do what needs to be done, to live unto Christ, right? 
a few weeks ago, I was praying, um, and I wasn't praying for the church, I was just in my normal prayer time, um, and all of a sudden I felt the presence of the Lord in my little bedroom, and I felt the heart of God for people in the church who have been hurt by people in the church. And I, ah, gosh. Help me find the words, Jesus. The heart of God, I felt like the Lord was asking me to apologise to anyone in this room, in this church family, who's been hurt by the church, by a Christian, by a leader in a church, whether it be this church or another church. I'm sorry for when, like, someone has not represented the heart of God well. It grieves God. It grieves his heart. And I want to... I want to ask you to have the humility to let it go, to let it go and to forgive. And I want to remind us that one person or one group of people who've done something doesn't, it's not the church. And sometimes we can be like, I've been hurt by the church. And it was like, there was a person in the church who wasn't seeing clearly And now you're like carrying this big burden that the church is a horrible entity. Man, the church has got a long way to go. But we're the church. You're the church. I'm the church. Together we're the church. And, And we need to let go and forgive like Wayne talked about forgiving. But we actually need to like deal with the stuff that happens and let it go. Does that make sense? And, and if you need to talk about it, I'm here because I've, I've like experienced like the heart of God for that situation and I'm genuinely sorry that it's happened to you. But my, my honest like heart cry is that you would like give it to God and let him be judge. We don't need to be judge. That's a scary place to put yourself in. If you, ju- if you judge, you'll be judged, basically. <laughs> if you're going to put a judgment against someone, there'll probably be a judgment against you. Ugh, ouch. <sighs> I feel like we could say a lot more, but I'm going to keep moving on. The third one, third key for unity is clear communication communication. Amen. Who said amen? Amen, Sarah. I was working on something this week for Sam actually last week and um, came across, across this quote. He's not a Christian that I'm aware of, but I think it's a good quote. The way we communicate with others and with ourselves 
ultimately determines the quality of our lives. Anthony Robbins says that one. And I feel like as a church, as Christians, if we want to see unity, we need to get really good at just talking about stuff and talking through things that might not be gelling together. Do you know what I mean? Just have real conversations. Amen. I'm going to get to that. Sharon was like, not via text. Amen, sister. Praise God. Okay, Matthew 18, 15 to 17, just quickly. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone. Between you and him alone. Wow. We don't need to go and make a subcommittee to sort this out. We don't need to be a keyboard warrior so that everyone on Facebook sees all the issues that are going on. Come on. Let's be better than that, church. It's a private conversation between you and the person. No one else involved at this point, right? Don't you love that the word has given us the answer here? And this applies for even if like, even if I'm not even talking like, you know, Jimmy like talked, spoke harshly to me and I feel a bit hurt by that, like whatever. Or like someone like did a sin against you, right? I'm not talking about like there's that. But also like Tom and I have a conversation and I say something and Tom walks away and he's like, oh, I don't, don't really know what she meant by that. Rather than him going and talking to Grace and then saying, oh, do you reckon Naomi's a bit annoyed with me because she like was talking, like, ah, let's not do that. Tom can just come back to me and be like, hey, when you said that, are you okay? Is like, can we just like make sure we're on the same page? Do you know what I mean? We just sort things out rather than make assumptions, rather than getting in a tizzy, rather than talking to others. Let's just talk to each other. Amen? It seems common sense, but it seems like we don't do this very well in the church, right? Amen. All right, so go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of one or two witnesses. Okay, we do not take baby Christians along to this meeting. Can we be clear about that? Right? We take people that will see people clear, see the situation clear. Okay? Because we don't want to taint anyone else's perception of this person who might be deceived or might be doing the wrong thing. So you take along someone that can speak their identity, speak, speak who they are, speak what God says over them. In love, of course, right? It's so simple. We get it so messy, don't we? If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. Obviously, this isn't between unbelievers. This is in the church, right? And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or tax collector. Right, so the church should only get involved when you've had a private conversation and you've like 
tried to flesh it out together and then you've taken a mature person along and you've tried, okay, and then that's where, you know, you'll get church involved, a leader of some capacity, right? And then we chat about it together. We're still not chatting about it in a public forum. We're not telling other people about it. We're not Sat, ringing up people and saying, hey, can you just pray for this situation? Can you pray for this person? Like, no, 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 no. And let's just remember when we have these conversations, 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is what? Patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. All of these conversations are done from a heart of love. All of these conversations are done with you preparing your heart before the Lord saying, is there any conceit? Is there, any, is there anything going on in my heart where I'm not seeing clearly? Is my heart humble? Am I willing to be wrong in this situation? Like these are the sorts of things that I will ask the Father, so that my heart is prepared and so I know that I'm humble and, and hearing from the Lord as well. Does that make sense? <sighs> I feel like I've covered everything. In person, we do it in person, right? Where we can. Or, or phone call if you can't do it in person, not over text. <sighs> and I just want to remind us all, we are on the same team We're on the same team. So even when there's a conflict, even when we don't agree, like you've got to tell yourself, we are all on the same team. Is the Bible real? Is the Bible true? Right, let's agree on that. Amen. Is Jesus Lord? Amen. Right, we can go together somewhere. Okay? Like, let's keep it simple. We don't have to agree on every tiny little bit of doctrine. There's a million trillion different beliefs about and interpretations about the Bible, okay? But let's, let's agree on the right things, on the dogma, on the important things. Amen. Four, how are we going? We're running out of time. Fourth key for unity, contribute. Contribute. Newsflash. You are the church. We all are. And if the church, this church, any church, has any areas of growth, perhaps you can contribute to that part growing. If you have eyes to see something, you probably are gifted by the Lord to be an answer to that solution, right? Does that make sense? Be the answer. Be the person that is what you want to see. All of us will build this church together with Jesus as the head. All of us. We're all called to put our hands to the plough. I'm not saying that we're all called to full-time ministry. We aren't. We're all called to be powerful witnesses in our spheres of influence. But we're also at the same time called to be members of the body of Christ. And I love that we have a blueprint in the Bible. Um, Ephesians, let's quickly go there. Ephesians 4, 15 to 16. We don't really have time to read the whole thing of Ephesians 4. 
Um, but I love this chapter talking about the church. It says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up in all things into him who is the head. Who is that? Christ, Jesus, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by, listen to this, how we joined and knit together by what every joint supplies We're knit together by what every part of the body supplies. So if we're not seeing the body knitted together in this beautiful way, it's probably because some of the body aren't supplying. Wow. Where are we? According to the effective working by which every part does its share... And then what happens? It causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So when every part contributes, when every part does its share, the body what? Grows and it edifies itself in what? Love. Who wants to be part of that church? You mob. I need to see more hands here. Who wants to be part of that church? I do. Amen. I love the NLT version. Another little way to put it. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Amen. Who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each body does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Isn't that beautiful? We should like print that out and put it on our mirror this week to just remind us what, what you do in the church context, it matters. And we've all got gifts from God that we can use to, to contribute to the body But we also all have two legs and two hands. And so we can all wash the dishes. And we can all change a bin. We can all stand at the door and greet people. Do you know what I mean? So so don't be afraid to be like, I'm I'm not going to be on the service team because I'm not gifted for that. Is Jesus inside of you? Is the love of God inside of you? Is he happy to see people? Does he want to serve people? Absolutely. Everyone's called to be on the service team. (laughs) What's in your hand? How can you contribute? I can't answer those questions. You need to answer that question. Okay, I feel like this is a message that you take home and you chew over it with the Holy Spirit and you ask him questions and you go over these scriptures, all right? When, when you come to church, like you should go home and check out the Bible for yourself and make sure that what I'm saying is true, yeah? Okay, this isn't just a little feed me session where we chuck you little little crumbs so that you can be fed and then go away and do whatever you do and come back next week for some more, right? That's not, yuck, gross. Yeah. Go home and talk to the Holy Spirit about this, okay? Because it's, it's a word for our church, okay? So you, you meditate on it, you chew on it, 
like you don't have to do it all at once. On one day, focus on one thing. What do you want to say to me about this, Lord, right? So four keys in summary for a unified church. Focus on Jesus and the lost. Humility, be humble. Clear communication and contribute. Um, Today, I would love to end... I would just love to end by taking a moment to just search your heart and if you are one of those people that are carrying some hurt because of the church or because of what someone's done or said or whatever, then I want you to like name it, write it down and and give it to him. We're just going to have a minute to do that, to just... But then also we're going to leave those up there. And if, if that doesn't apply to you, praise the Lord, you're free. Amen. Hallelujah. Say thank you, I'm free from all of that rubbish. Um, if that's not you, I want you to like look at those things and Holy Spirit, is, is there one that you're, you're speaking to me personally about? Is there one that jumps out more than all the others? And I'd love to end by praying for all of you. Sharon and Jimmy are going to come up the front here and I would love to pray. We would love to pray for you and we'd love to pray specifically for you. So if you're like, I am, if, let me find the right words. I feel like you can hear a message and you can go home and not do anything with it. Or you can hear a message and, and activate it in your heart. I love Jimmy's thing that he shared with us. He responded to an altar call, wanting more of God, wanting the presence of God. And then he goes on his way and the next day, boom, three-hour encounter. Okay, there's power in like stepping and activating a word. So even if like you're like, you know what? I am all these things. I am so good. We still want to pray for you. Because we want to see all of us grow in unity. We want to see this church like grow together and be knit together in love. Amen? So we want to pray for you. So if you're like, yeah, I'm in. I, w- I, want, to, I want to be a unified church. I want to grow in humility. Then you just come up here and I'd be like, how can I pray for you? And you'd be like, I want to grow in humility. Or I want to grow in contributing. Or I want to grow in clear communication. Or I want to grow in focusing on Jesus and the lost. So we can pray for you and just release the blessing of God over that area as you walk with the Lord and and discover more of that. Does that make sense? Amen.